Um, so how was your honeymoon? It was amazing. I really enjoyed it. I had I've yeah, never been to Paris. Back. Thank you. Well, welcome back, back to work. <laughs> yes, welcome back. Well, welcome back, everybody. I hope the listeners um, enjoyed the out of pocket episodes that we we had pre recorded. <laughs> I actually like really um, enjoyed enjoyed them a lot. Um, me too. Let me make sure I'm on my right channel. Do, 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 do. I think I am. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Yes, I am. I yeah. I actually really enjoyed um, listening. I actually listened back a little bit on our Euphoria episode, and it's it's very satisfying to me <laughs> for some reason. Good. Um, Is it? I I'd never listened back to the episode, so like, was it just like a very cozy episode, or was it like? It's it's very cozy. It is very cozy. How much of the show can you hear in the episode? So I think next time I'll probably amp up the like background, like the you know background noise a little bit because you can't really hear any of the show in the background. Um, but I'll probably, you know, next time whenever we watch something together, next time I'll probably turn that up a little bit. Well, it's probably for the best that we didn't include that much because mm-hmm. I don't want like Sam Levinson coming after us for his copyrighted content maybe i I mean i don't know if they i don't know if they're listening to evil thespian podcast they should be yeah they should um no but uh paris was amazing i really i enjoyed it i'd never been before but i don't know the first week we just did a bunch of touristy stuff and then the second week we just hung out and um just did nothing and just like drank every single day and that was lovely and yeah by the and I just I got really sick of French I'm I'm very bad at the language and I I think it's just like a weird language to me like were were people nice to you so nice oh my gosh the French I love the French people they're so nice I love how like I love the casual like the casualness of the culture and um yeah everybody well everybody was nice to us because like paula paula's really good at french and we like actually try to speak french like we're huge language people so um yeah everybody was very hospitable and nice and we just like stayed in a very quiet area in the city and it was it was lovely but i'm very i'm very glad to be back i'm exhausted like this past year has been insane. And um, yeah, I'm, I would very much like to uh, put myself in a sensory deprivation tank right now. <laughs> yeah. like, that actually kind of sounds lovely. Much. No, I'm serious. I've been, I've actually been looking into it. I, I got a massage yesterday, um, which was lovely, but I'm, I'm saying like, I just, I, the ideal situation for me, like I would like to put myself in like inside a Japanese capsule hotel. I want like, I want to be like cryogenically frozen like every night. <laughs> does, does Chicago have like places where you can do like lunchtime sensory deprivation appointments? That is actually, <laughs> well, I don't really take a lunch, honestly. Like I'm like, once again, I'm always, I'm very busy. So, but that's actually a very good question. Probably, honestly, like that's would be a good business idea to like, 
have like short term, like lunchtime <laughs> sensory deprivation tanks. I don't know if I have Maybe enough that'll time. Maybe be our evil thespian side business. Maybe. I don't know if I have enough time to like uh, disrobe during my lunch, like go somewhere, disrobe and like, get in a tub, right. you know? <laughs> it, would, it would only really work if we were like in, in France where they get like two hours for lunch, you know? Yeah. That, yeah, that was another weird thing about France is that the sun doesn't set until 10.30 p.m. So I really only oh, yes. got to experience like Paris at night a handful of times because we were just exhausted and yeah, it was insane. And I, I really, uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Uh, you know, uh, Eiffel Tower, Louvre, kind of overrated. Musée d'Orsay, amazing. I love the Musée d'Orsay. I loved um, Versailles. I loved just, uh, yeah, I, I just loved like walking around and shopping. Um, it's the best part of any what vacation. What was Versailles like? Because I didn't gigantic. get to go to Versailles. Oh my God, it's my, huge. My family wanted to go to the Normandy stuff, which like was not something that I vibed with. No, oh my God, you would have loved Versailles because it's just like it's just gigantic it's huge like the biggest thing i've ever witnessed before it's just huge <sighs> and like our tour guide only you know guided us through like the main parts of it really where like the king and queen would sleep and that was really interesting and then we would just like walk throughout <laughs> the gardens and it just kept going on forever and ever and it was amazing and it did they What's, talk about the theater that was performed at Versailles? Kind, well, kind of. They essentially explained that it was sort of the extension of the public sphere, but only if mm -hmm. you were sort of an aristocrat. Like, basically, in order to be a part of the crew, you had to dress a certain way. And it's not like now how, like, you can sort of fake dressing a certain way. Like, dress obviously dressing a certain way back then meant you had to have access to certain fabrics and certain dyes right. and things like that. Mm -hmm. So basically if you wanted to like be a part of the crew in Versailles and like stay there and spend time there, you just had to dress uh, like an aristocrat, like a certain way. Um, and yeah, it was really cool, but essentially like over 2000 people used to like hang out there at a time. Um, and it would be like, you know, bishops and uh, religious consultants and people who were academics and things of that nature. So, but anyway, it's like, it's gigantic. It was, it was huge. And I really, <laughs> I really, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, the but, Marie Antoinette movie makes the parties there look really fun. I would have loved to have been at a party at Versailles. Well, that's what I, I had like the impulse to just like run and like, I bet it's just huge. so much space, so, so much, much space. Open space. It's like there's all these bushes and like labyrinths with like um fountains and just like all of this bullshit that you can get lost in, and it's like insane. Um, but yeah, no, it was fun. And um, I mean, the ultimate question is, what did you think of like, let's review my wedding? Like, what did you think of it? <laughs> <laughs> I will give it a 10 out of a 10. I thought it was one of the most beautiful weddings that I've ever been to. It was so classy. Everything just like went off with a hitch. And I just, 
it was a wonderful day and I loved getting to celebrate you and Paul and thank you yay I cried <laughs> when I first saw you walk down the aisle <laughs> I was like I don't know why I was just like it just like came over me but I was yeah your oh dress God. was beautiful and you just thank looked you. so happy with your dad I, I was just oh. it was wonderful honestly like the the several hours leading up to it I was like very stressed out and oh god like it's just like the most stressful thing that you can do I was just like absolutely you know about to, like on a brink of like having a mental breakdown which I had had a couple times um the week of but it was uh once the ceremony started I was very much at peace so um yeah you definitely had like an air of just calm about you effortlessness oh, yeah. yeah I was just like so relieved once everything started because the anticipation of everything just sucks because it's like you're just holding your breath the whole time there's there's there are many moving parts and many people to manage but um, no, it, it was a great wedding. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I was, I was telling Paul, I was like, thank God we only get married once because <laughs> I ain't doing this. Again. Unless you decide to renew your vows. That's Unless true. you decide to renew your vows. That's true. But even if we do that, we'll like go to some remote like location and like the Caribbean far away from everyone right and you know? yeah and you can do it with like your children there and like yeah. it'll be very sweet yeah. yeah but um no everything went really well and I was really pleased and and yeah. you gave us a theatrical moment with you going down the fire pole <laughs> I know I slid down the fire pole um yeah I made a I made a you know several grand entrances and yeah, it was like the, it was a perfect thespian wedding. I had a lot of it really was many thespians attended. Um, so yeah, it was lovely, and I'm uh, glad that it's all over. Because <laughs> also, I, your mom, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like when you when you get married, people love to like take over the scenario and like say tell you what to do. Like people were constantly telling us like you can't see each other for 24 hours or it's bad luck. Uh, when it's like, no, dude, like the only person I want to hang out with is Paul and like complain. Like exactly. the only person, the only person who knows what I'm going through right now is Paul. Like nobody else can relate really. And of course I'm gonna want to hang out with him the morning of my wedding. Um, so yeah, the morning of like the event, we just spent like all morning watching Real Housewives and like sitting on the couch and just like eating. <laughs> um, that sounds divine. It was honestly. wonderful. And then once uh, things started moving and we started like getting ready, that's when I started getting nervous and like anxious and stuff. And um, also we had sort of a debacle with my makeup artist. Oh. Uh, honestly the best part of that like um damn those eyelashes were brutal yeah so basically yeah basically what had happened was uh, the, my makeup artist got covid the makeup artist that we booked got covid they sent in another girl in her place and the other girl was basically a rando random girl from instagram who had only yeah. done makeup on dead people because she said that, you know, <laughs> she basically got her certificate and worked uh, with a mortician oh for like five years. 
and um, he, I had to sit in the chair for an hour. And then once my makeup was done, it looked absolutely ungodly. Um, oh, and yeah, it, was, it, was it was so funny. It was so funny because like I was laughing so hard that I started crying. Like it's exactly what I needed that day. Um, and it just lifted my mood so much. Um, and luckily the hair, the hair lady just redid my makeup for me and it looked fine. But um, that scenario was amazing. I really, honestly, I really was prepared to just do my makeup myself. Like I almost was like, as we were planning the wedding, I was thinking to myself, I, you know, I'll just do my makeup myself, honestly. Like, and also Paul and I went to theater school. Like I honestly could have had my husband do right. makeup. Like we're kind of yes. a tough, we're a tough crowd because like we know how to do makeup that's meant to be seen from far away. So when this lady was mm. doing my eyelashes, she was like putting them on and then taking them off and then putting them on. She didn't have tweezers. She was like in there with her fingers. Like I was just like, girl, <laughs> I was like, girl, no, like just, I was about to be like, just let me do it. Like, so I on like, I, luckily like we're nice people. So I was like, yes, girl, it looks amazing. And then as soon as the hair lady got there, I was just like, can you redo my makeup, please? Um, but because the final the, product was beautiful, I thought. Oh no, it was amazing. Everything went completely as it was supposed to. Um, but yeah, I mean, even when the hair lady did my hair, she gave me like this rockabilly like poof on the top of my head. And I was just like, ooh, nothing is going right today. Like <laughs> I was mm -hmm. like, just I was like, girl, just take it down please like just make make it classy you know I don't want to gigantic bump it on top of my head um but <laughs> bump it oh my god I totally forgot that this existed I'm saying like the, okay when I first got my hair done she did it she put a bun in the back of my head but then the top of my head she made like this large bump that, that was just like a mm. it looked like a bump it like how I used to like bump my hair when I was a cheerleader in like the ninth grade and I was just like um yeah it looks amazing but can you please just take it down a notch or a couple um I felt so bad for her because she actually came and she she came to the venue and like started crying because she was embarrassed about the makeup lady situation Mm. And I don't know. I should have probably asked for a refund because you can't come to my wedding and start crying at your job. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right? That is unprofessional. Is. You gotta, you gotta hold it together. Because, like, if you're gonna stress out a bride, like, that's just like ungodly. I feel like that's like rude. Yeah, I'm the one that's supposed to be having a panic attack, not you. Exactly. You're upstaging me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, but also I wanted to say that your parents were amazing. Yes. I loved your mom. She was gorgeous Ugh. in person. They oh my God. Amazing. They did so well. Um, I'm just, I'm so pleased. I'm just so happy that um, everybody, yeah, did, I, did an amazing uh, performance essentially. <laughs> yes. Your um, dad's speech tying oh in my God. Lovey and Rose. Oh my God. Like, oh, he yeah. was so I was like, yes, Steve. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was really lovely. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's funny, like I wanted to eat more of the cake, but uh, because I ate so much pizza and I was so hungry, like I really wasn't able to eat a lot of cake, honestly. Like I was just, 
so bloated from eating pizza and drinking like I just couldn't <laughs> the marble cake was really good yeah I didn't get to try the red velvet although I do think the red velvet is the perfect wedding cake that's interesting I never even thought of that before even though I chose it myself I I would say that is I would I would agree with that definitely <laughs> I don't yeah I don't it's know. unique it just, like you think red velvet and you don't really think anything but like to me red velvet pairs well with like a wedding theme like I don't know red velvet it's just like such an outlier out of all the cake flavors yeah I don't know maybe there's something subconsciously there that we're not we're not seeing. I don't know but I also don't really feel like going there right now wait what going there mentally i don't feel like going it yeah i don't i don't feel like going into oh, a subconscious yeah. level no. right now you you're not in the mood to get pathological uh not not really <laughs> i'm just trying to have fun honestly i, know. I think that's me like too. That's me all too because that i care about I, i've just literally been so stressed like this whole year or so and i'm still busy but i wouldn't I, I i actually prefer to be busy but i would like to I prefer to be busy with like things that I enjoy. Um, yes, yes. And I, I, I like to be. I'm the person. I'm the kind of person that likes to be go, go, go. But I want to be like go, go, go with like things I want to go to. You know. So exactly. Like the, these past, like, this past 365, like this whole past year, like we had three people die in our family. So we've just been like, go, go, go to like death events, you know? So <laughs> I'm trying to like yeah. go to like fun places and stuff, which is, um, yeah, so it's working out, it's working out well, but I'm also trying to like relax. Like, I just want to enjoy the first year of my marriage in a kind of like just cool and fun and relaxed way. Like, I don't really feel any sort of like careerism pressure I don't really care like what goes where if I keep my right. job if I lose my job like I just want to like hang out and relax and have fun with my friends and make make things um yeah I, I just like I just like making things like I like producing things and um yeah any, anything that like gives me like the smallest inkling of like being really stressed out about something or somebody thinks some way about something I'm just like no I just I can't I don't have the time yeah. I'm already so busy like I can't do it <laughs> I just I just booked my trip to DC and New York for when, August for August what are you doing early well I'm going to the Gaga concert oh and then, me. I, and then rah, rah, rah. <laughs> I know. And then I'm going to take the train up to New York again and mm -hmm. go see, I think I'm going to go see, well, no, I am going to, because I have the tickets. I'm going to see uh, Into the Woods with Roman. Yes. Oh my gosh. That'll be so fun. Yeah. Especially because wow. he, he did the witch's rap <laughs> Wait. <laughs> on the beautiful toilet. Oh my gosh. I didn't even get to that part yet. This is what I, this is what I do. Like I go through podcasts and I get through like half of them and then I don't finish. I definitely have to listen to podcasts in like, um, like intervals now. Yes. 
I can't and like it's very hard for me to just sit down anymore like even yeah. watching like Children of Paradise I had to watch it in like two days because mm-hmm. it was so well it was so long but also and like you know the only thing that like recently that I like actually sat through and didn't like look at my phone was Elvis but that was because I was in the movie theater mm-hmm. well, and I think you would really like Elvis uh I've heard good things um so I think I'll probably see it um it's also been a long time since I've been, I have a movie theater very close to my uh workplace so um I'll probably see it very soon because uh, I've yeah heard good things so Yes, you gotta watch it in like a really big theater. Yeah, with a I mean, nice it, surround sound. But yeah, it seems very um, uh, op- opulent. Oh yes. Yeah. Even from like the opening logo of the movie studios, like it was just like a flash of like bright colors and like sparkly things in my face. I was like, oh my god, I'm here. Yeah. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to love this. Oh my gosh, did and it was uh, great. I told you I got a massage yesterday because coming back from my honeymoon um and like just spending hours on my feet and on planes, um, I was like, I just want someone to beat my ass. So <laughs> I got like a 50-minute massage yesterday, and this guy, this like nice the sweetest like old like gay guy he basically just like beat my whole body <gasps> to a point in the best way possible and then he, I, we did something like body his work. pride special yeah we, we did like this weird like body work thing okay this is hilarious so basically he was like rubbing my stomach and was like just imagine all of the negative energy going right here in this area and then he wow. was like, okay, and now it's coming out. All the negative energy is coming out and it's like black smoke that's coming out of your stomach. Like, and then he kept saying black smoke, black smoke, black <laughs> smoke. And I was like, yes, you're so right. It was that amazing. Very like Twin Peaks. That it was like, like a Twin Peaks kind of it thing. It was so like woo woo and amazing. Cause I really that love that. Great, yeah. I just like, <laughs> Because I like the positive reinforcement. Anything I yeah. go to, like, I just want you to tell me that, like, yes, I'm, like, releasing anxiety. I'm doing amazing. Um, yeah. So, they get in the beginning of the massage, he was like, okay, so now I'm going to, um, I'm going to proceed to open your chakras, to um, mm. open some of your chakras. And then he goes, actually, I'm going to open all of them. There is seven. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I was like, oh, he opened you wide, Maddie. No, seriously, because you're so relaxed. Like, I don't know. It's some, well, here's the thing it's something about a human touch that's not necessarily in a sexual way, but it does relax you and give you a feeling of ease. Like, even if you like just like touch somebody on the arm or the leg or something, like, it doesn't have to make you feel like horny or sexual. It just like makes you feel relaxed in some situations. Um, and I, I think that, like speaks it's to important. the ASMR experience too. Cause like, there's a lot of like ASMR videos where they'll like act like they're like playing with your hair. Yes. I, well, here's the thing. I think there's like tangibility to sound 
because mm -hmm. sound technically like sound waves are there's objectivity to sound waves that hit your actual eardrum so i think there's a tangible like physiological effect that happens when a sound wave hits your touches you basically it touches your body it touches your eardrum and you can't you can't see it but it exists and I, yeah i think there's something like very beautiful about that um that you can like i mean even in music like that ba you could you can essentially touch people in a physical way through sound waves <laughs> i mean that is the thesis of chromatica <laughs> wait what really that's that's the thesis of chromatica that like lady gaga was saying like music saved her basically from mm -hmm. her pain well i mean i think I saw I'll, that sign from above i mean i we all know a couple other things saved her from her pain yeah gotta take her that fibromyalgia yeah but no honestly um music I and mean, music is very healing um I think any like when I when I go to sometimes when I sit down to like do work or something I'll just listen to binaural beats or like I'll just listen to like um, whatever like Tibetan um, the bowls. The oh song. my god! Anybody yes. like a didgeridoo? Like anything that's going like wah? Like you know like on my way that, to work I'll listen to like new age music yeah. like and it's perfect. It just really like centers me. Yeah, and I think there's something about. Uh, well, also I think it depends like depending on like the kind of person you are and the kind of stimuli you respond well to. Um, I am the kind of person that really likes white noise. So I don't mm. even really have to be listening to me. It doesn't even have to be a musical sound. It could be just like a sound, some sort of like white noise, uh, ambience and um, ambiance. And it could be anything. I don't know. I mean, I live right in front of a uh, highway. So that is right. like very soothing to me. <laughs> Do you like sounds of water? Since I you're love a water sign. Water. I love water. Oh, I love waves. happy cancer season. Happy cancer <laughs> season. This <laughs> is so true. What, what are you? What season. are you hoping? What are you hoping to gain during this time? What are you letting go of? Um, I'm trying to not do things I don't want to do. <laughs> okay. Because I amazing. Do you have this? Cause I have this thing where I'm like so stoked about everybody in my life. And I, I love what everyone who I'm friends with is doing that. I want to like be, be a part of it. And I want to absorb all of these projects, but I'm like a project hoarder to the point where I can't, I <laughs> spread myself too thin and I need to, and I need to like focus on like one or two things. And I was like, just telling Paul, I was like, I just want to sit in my house and like make music and maybe like go to a couple events or readings or whatever and hang out, <laughs> you know, and like have fun. And that's really all I want to yeah. do. I mean, at least for this year. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's hard to like start a project. That's where I like. Interesting. Get. I get me, so caught up in the like yeah. the the planning and the thinking about things 
but like I, I, it's so difficult for me to like bring it to fruition. It's like it, like it would have to be like pure Apollonian will to get me to like mm-hmm. do a project and see it through to fruition. It's mm-hmm. very difficult. That's interesting. For me, it's so easy for me to start a project, but a lot of times I either don't have the time or the leverage or the people to see it through. And Mm. I mean, it's hard to find the right team and the right people. And I mean, that's why I like music. I like to make music at home because it just is all I need is myself. Um, And, but I mean, when it comes to like doing a project that like would probably require a community of people, it's like hard to find the time to find those people to organize it to see it through um yeah it, it yeah, takes building, a bit building it takes a, a tribe is hard it is yeah and it's hard to build that village it is i mean but, especially but I, here i think yeah like it's like hard to like <laughs> say like hey everyone like i don't know it's not as densely populated as like a coastal city you know where it's like easy yeah. to find people I just have to believe that they're out there. No, they are. They're they're all, I mean, they're out there definitely, but it's like in order to find them, you have to like uh, pound the pavement, like knock on doors, which actually I'm not um, opposed to at all. Opposed to? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll pound some doors with I absolutely, absolutely. Oh my God. Like (laughs) sometimes I'll be walking in my neighborhood and I will like look through people's windows and I will see like, I will see the markings of the thespian like I really will like see some uh posters of like somebody's musical that they went to and I'm like "Uh oh oh my god I was on the train the other day and I heard this guy he was an actor talking to his mom on the phone and he was like you know like I'm just I'm just one of many you know like when when you do a self-tape you know there's so much out of your control like if I'm in the, uh, if I'm in the room with people, like I can tell if they want to hire me or not, but like when you do a self tape, like, I don't even know if they're even paying attention to me. And I was like, you're so right. You're so right. You're just one of many. But the thing is also, yourself. don't you have a lot of control with a self tape? Cause like you that get to do true. it multiple times. That is so true actually. And that's why I actually prefer self tapes because I, have so much control I don't really care about like um seeing what 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 their reaction is because even if you're in the room with somebody they could just be equally as like non-reactive like and also if you're in the room with somebody it may not even be the person that's hiring you which could just be like the assistant that's taping you know like I like self-tapes are the way to go the way to be um, yeah but never done one <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have observed i'm in such an observe and report mentality right now because i've you been reading be. so much diddy in oh yeah. yeah how is that going well i had to put slouching towards bethlehem on the back burner right now because other things have to like, take precedence mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm i'm enjoying her writing style a lot because it's so just like detached but like so true and like 
on the like on the nose like she gets it mm-hmm. you know and she's able to contextualize what is like this chaos that she's observing and mm-hmm. I just I yeah I'm so inspired <laughs> that's amazing I um I don't know I, I need more people to recommend me like good books um and I don't know I just like the good books are like so few and far between I always keep the myth of Sisyphus in my purse um and sometimes I read it on the bus <laughs> because the bus okay the CTA is like it's really a Sisyphean effort it it literally is because it doesn't always come on time when it's supposed to it's um, constant delays sometimes it's too crowded um yeah so and that's I don't know why, but I've just had that in living in my purse for the past like three months. Um, I think I was just like reading it somewhere. I think that's beautiful. Yes, it, it honestly it comes in handy. Honestly, that sounds like a, and it sounds like it could be a play. Mhm. Definitely. Oh, but I did. <laughs> but no, I, I. Yeah. I was just gonna say I just finished an exciting and vivid inner life by Paul Della Rosa. How was that? And you would l- you would love it, Maddie. Oh my god, I need totally to Totally a- like I literally went to my bookstore today. I went to Unabridged and um I couldn't find anything. I could only find like Fuckboy which I picked up. Um so oh, I'll, good. Be re- I'll be reading that, but um I do want to read that definitely. Yeah, um, you, you like an exciting and in your life. Or what, what the hell is it called? <laughs> an exciting and vivid inner life. Okay, cool. And it's and it, but it's only available in Australia and the UK, but you can order it from online. Perfect. And um, everybody should go buy it because it's so good. It's it's hilarious. It's so like it's Samuel Beckett absurd. Like you okay, would cool. love it. And That's just like awesome. and like like and I, and Paul's like really into like uh, Baudrillard. Yeah. And so a, a lot of his writing is informed by Baudrillard. Is it fiction? Is it, it's, not, it's a novel? It's fiction and it's all short stories. So it's, okay, cool. It's really great. Like, and just, it's just laugh out loud, hilarious. And Same. the gays in it are so, like, they do, like, it's everything that you talk about when you want, like, good drama, like, people right. acting on their worst behavior you're thinking that they deserve something when like yeah. they're not doing anything to like get the thing that they want mm-hmm. and if they do something to get it like they do something really horrible to get it mm-hmm. I mean that's but what it's, it's, it's what drama is supposed to be it's like people acting on their worst impulses and their worst behavior and people manipulating each other because when you have drama you have to write people trying to get something out of the other person or projecting on somebody so you can see yourself reflected back at you. Um, yeah, I, I, whenever I read something that like has like some semblance of that, I'm like, oh my God, thank, thank God, like somebody gets it, you know? Right. Yeah. Should we discuss Children of Paradise? I really loved this movie because 
I love a good story about a clown. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love- I know. <laughs> okay, what the hell is it? Like, I literally was like, like my heart, it really pulls at your heartstrings. Like, cause it's about a mime. And like, I love the scene where like, the scenes with like the mime and like that one lady and they're like falling Garance. in love. Yes, and they're like falling yes. in love sort of. and. It's just so sweet and like precious and innocent. And it it's one of those movies that it's like, well, what year was this? 19. So yeah, it was made in 19, the 1940s. Okay, um, so this is when I, movies like really started popping off. Like this is yes. a product now. <laughs> and it takes place in 1830s Paris. And for those who don't know, Children of Paradise is Marcel Carnet's uh, film. It's a two-part romantic drama. And it tells the story of a woman, Garance, who has four suitors, um, a mime, an actor, a criminal, and an aristocrat. And she is basically courting all of them. Um, and she's very elusive mm -hmm. and she's very they, coy. But they, yes but and but they are just like so madly in love with her mm -hmm. and it's, it's it's a film about theater and mm -hmm. um and it's just it's it's wonderful I, I i it's like a soap opera for the theater it it's is great. and it, i feel like it's also about like uh, a film about the vocation of acting because all of these mm -hmm. suitors are actors in their own way like the mime is like the ultimate like bottom of the barrel actor who has nothing one guy's like right. sort of got his shit popping off and he's like you know a well-known actor there's a guy who's an aristocrat which is essentially an actor you're acting you're projecting something um every day and then and, <laughs> yeah exactly and the and the and the criminal is mm -hmm. probably like the most actor also like he's very actory because like mm -hmm. criminals are so uninhibited they'll just do they don't yes think and do. also they're always um in disguise sometimes <laughs> they're exactly. always like and they're always like lurking in the shadows but right. oh my god like the mime really broke my heart like every single like oh it's just like the sad clown kind of archetype like I was like oh this poor yes. this poor street performer <laughs> when he was sitting at the beginning and he was like acting out uh Garance getting um acting out the guy getting pickpocketed and Garance was getting accused of the the crime mm -hmm. um I just thought that that was so adorable and the way that he like sat there and just yeah. looked at her oh god it was so good <laughs> the mind was played by Jean-Louis Barreau which I remember learning about him in theater history class oh really was he um he was like a famous actor yeah he was wow. uh let me look yeah he and i think he was like a director and he wrote 
a lot of books on theater in I this mean, time period? You can tell because he just like absolutely, like his um, portrayal of the mime in this movie just absolutely jumps out of the screen and like just like latches on to you and like you absolutely fall in love with him he's just like the most cute like pathetic amazing gorgeous like sweet like you just want to fall in love with him so much like he was so sweet and like soft as a mime <laughs> yeah and and like that's kind of how you have to be like clowns and mimes they have to they return have to, be, to the they have to be pathetic yeah, and they have to return to this kind of like childlike state, mm -hmm. you know, where everything is just wonderful and, and mm -hmm. they're so curious about everything, yeah, which is honestly we... like what I think I need to do. Like, I think like that's what I need to like get in that headspace. I know, because I was listening to our Euphoria episode and like <laughs> I said something and you're like, yeah, because we're always thinking about death. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow. Yeah, I guess. So true. Oh my God. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes I, I listen back on like stuff and I'm like, oof, girl, like I was not killing it here. <laughs> like, <laughs> but maybe that's like the most true thing I've ever said. Well, we were also like really stoned. <laughs> right well it's, like, which i i will never do again oh Addie, my god we did we did not touch. we did not even discuss this oh my god i don't but i don't i don't want to go into too much detail but i will never touch i will never touch it yeah that's again. all that's yeah that's all we'll get into essentially there was a situation oh. and oh my god. josh saw his life flash before his eyes <laughs> oh my god yeah I mean, it's okay. Yeah. I've been, I've been there. Definitely. I understand. <laughs> I've been there was, a couple of times. It was so, it was bad. It was dark. It was it dark. Was bad. <laughs> Shout out to Blaine and Iris. Shout out to yes. Blaine and Iris. Um, but anyway, um, where were we talking? Okay. Yeah. Um, Frederick is the other actor who's like trying to get into the, what I, I don't, I don't want to, butcher the French but he's trying to get into the theater to work there mm -hmm. he's a try hard he's very like melodramatic yes very grandiose mm -hmm. like he's really trying but he's not an aristocrat you know no he's just he is uh he's an aspirant and he's a romantic and an Sort very an, romantic yes and an idealist and his like makeup and his hair is sort of portrays that he's like, got all these like curly cues on the side on his sideburns and he's got like this um very uh, coiffed mustache and hair and um i think that i think that was something that's like the best about honestly all of these characters in this movie the makeup is amazing even though it's in black and white it's very pristine and like clean cuts and so like, on point. <laughs> yes, see, that's one of the things that I absolutely adore about the French is that they really do take, uh, put forth all their energy into their their style. It's honestly very inspiring. And I, I w like, 
like I've noticed because I've been traveling so much that people don't like dress up when they travel and no. like I kind of want I want that to make a comeback um uh, based on my two weeks in Paris um I mean as far as I could tell people definitely dress better in Paris um oh yeah but I was just talking to my friend earlier today how we were just saying how like when you're American it's like very common to just like walk around in gym shorts if you're not working and then when you even go to work you just wear athleisure or jeans and it's kind of depressing almost it is you know I mean, and I just even if you go to the theater like that's not like a huge deal if you wear jeans or anything i actually love jeans i love jeans so much um but I love the days, jeans too. yeah but the days i'm able to wear like a skirt or some or dress or something it's a complete I feel like a different person right like you feel like you really are putting forth your best foot you know mm -hmm. like you are you are really giving a show yeah I'm putting people that's what my people need leg. to do yeah that's what people need to do like they need to like really like put effort into the show mm -hmm. definitely give us a show when you walk out the door yeah. I just finished reading the presentation of self in everyday life <laughs> And I'm obsessed with dramaturgical discipline. Yes. <laughs> Where basically, like, if you commit a faux pas, like, you just, like, you try to, like, minimize the effects of the faux pas through dramaturgical discipline, through, like, trying to make sure that the storyline is working, is what Irving Goffman is basically saying. And I'm, like, obsessed with it. Children of Paradise, it made me think a lot about, like, how theater used to be like such a main not necessarily mainstream but it just used to be a normal part of public life like that early yes. scene where like people are just like walking around in the market and like they're shopping and stuff and like there's some street performers and like it's a normal oh, thing yes. and they're putting on, on a the play. boulevard but they're it's oh, not like yes. oh just a, a bunch of people are hanging out around it's like a huge swath like swaths of people are like gathered around to like watch what's yes. happening because there's nothing else and going guess, on yeah and I guess like that is kind of making I mean it was kind of making a comeback before COVID happened where like I mean I hate to bring it up but Hamilton was doing it where they would like put on shows with their lottery what what lottery like you know how like Broadway shows do lotteries now where they give you money so, like, or they no, they give you a ticket. No. <laughs> and so like at Hamilton, they would like perform like do little skits. Now, whether they were good or not does not is not the point. But what yeah. I'm saying is like that idea of like street performance was coming yes. starting to come back. Yes. And um, but yeah, so I think we need to bring that back and people need to get over COVID to bring that back i mean i'm over it i don't know about y'all <laughs> i'm over uh, it too but i'm, I'm saying like it. other people seem to want to keep it going on forever and i just can't entertain those ideas i don't know like i feel like people i don't know at least in my vicinity have let it go um i mean there are like mask wearers but i haven't engaged with any like insane 
like reg rules or regulations or anything in my city no, the, at least the only, obviously when we I were in new york like we had that once yeah week. yeah that yeah, yeah. Funny. The, i mean and like the people that i see on twitter but like obviously like they're one voice out of and, like out of many <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah i want that to i do want that to come back because i think yeah. like it's just exciting because like to see like a theater and like it's just desolate outside like it makes it seem like there's nothing going on inside i want people to invite me in mm -hmm. i want to go to like a house show house party um i don't know it's hard to get people out and it's really hard to like convince people to like uh put forth the effort to go somewhere but here's the thing it's i feel like it's the last bastion of giving people a collective communal experience yes. in real life because there's really no other venue or avenue to do so other than like going to a concert like going to a concert is such a communal collective in park. real life yeah or yeah the park or witnessing something in real life together riding public a, transportation yeah that's fighting yeah fight getting in fights on the bus or going <laughs> or maybe like going to church um like there are very few public avenues where you can have a collective experience and obviously going to parties is one of them um but yeah it's like why I don't know it's it's really hard to find like documentation on like what when did like theater like putting on shows for your friends like when did that stop become shows for your neighborhood like when did that stop becoming such a normal part of public life um right well, see, that's why matthew gazda yeah. is so interesting because when everything everybody was going digital online doing their digital theater matthew gazda was hosting like readings in people's apartments for people to come and listen to and then you know and putting on shows in you know people's apartments yeah. you know yeah and everybody should be doing that everybody should be i mean that's like when i whenever i have the most fun is when i'm doing like like even like private readings with my friends because I'll always ask like my husband to, to like read something out loud with me if I don't really understand like what the f it's about. Do you think that Lissa Strada is going to make a comeback with what's well, going on with Roe v. Wade? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's such a like things that happen now are such a flash in the pan. Like the cult. I, I know, mean but the cult. The cultural like turnover is so short you know right but like the the regional theater companies never like respond in time you know no it's always delayed yeah so i just i'm imagining that like we're gonna start seeing like a ton of lissa strada productions in the <sighs> years to come i don't know i think people have a lot of fatigue and i don't know this i haven't i honestly haven't uh read lissa strada like out loud in a like several years, but um, I'll have to revisit that because the Greek, that's the one I mean, where they go on the sex strike, right? Yes. I, okay. Yeah. Yes. That's why I'm like, that's why I'm like, I feel like it's going to make a comeback because everybody on Twitter is like, we should just go on strike to protest. Yeah, like, that'll definitely work. Um, but <laughs> I feel like, 
but Lysistrata is like hilarious to me because it's hysterical. Right. I don't know. I mean, I it, I, ugh, when I, because to me, it's like a comedy. Like when we were reading it, it's hilarious. And the Greeks is. were, the Greeks were very phallocentric and the dick jokes, the phallic references, it's so funny and hilarious. And it's all meant to be something. Everything that's referenced in every play serves a purpose. Everything is intentional. You can't just put something in a play just because I don't know I'm I'm just a huge proponent of making theater very restrictive <laughs> because what would the crucible be if the the one scene with the um the girl like jumping out of the window like what if we never had that scene in the crucible <laughs> it would not be a cruci- it wouldn't be the crucible because it's about like relig- religiosity and hysteria and um it's about like canceling that- people Honestly, the crucible needs to make a comeback too. I, I'm saying like, well, they just did the crucible on Broadway not too long ago. But oh yes, they did with Evo Evo Van Hove. Yeah. yeah, and but I'm saying like it should make a comeback like every two years because it's literally about cancel culture. Yeah, and like <laughs> it's basically the founding of America. Yeah, and and why America can never let that go. Yeah, it's about Purita- puritanism. Um, yeah, it's about which it's about witch hunts, and but I'm like, can you imagine if the Crucible didn't have that scene with the little girl trying to jump out the window and like saying that she was possessed? Like, it wouldn't be the same play. <laughs> it wouldn't make the same impact, you know. Um, Speaking yeah. of being like going out the window, they threw Baptiste out of the window for dancing with Garants. I know, and and then the guys like. Actors, no wonder they buried them at night. I know. How dare he? <laughs> Could you imagine if that like happened again? Like people started looking. I mean, I don't want that to happen again, but like, oh my God. Like the fact that people looked that low, had that low of an opinion on actors. Um, well, it's a working class job and you'll i mean they're they don't have i'm we we shouldn't have a low opinion of actors uh in a more in a a way that's moral like good or bad but um we should have like is it still working class though with like Uh, hollywood yeah because even if you're like a hollywood actor you're still at the lowest of the low like for example um what's his face uh ryan reynolds like he's a very successful actor but he has like four companies and like he has to do that to sustain himself like you can make a lot of money doing like deadpool or something in your contract but you have to invest in a company or buy a company to make it make your you know wealth sustain itself um because it goes very fast I mean same with like people who are athletes and stuff like many athletes just blow through their money so quickly and then they're bankrupt but no like the strategy like what you have to do if you are like on that level is like buy a bunch of businesses and like have a that's why so many um actors have like wine companies you know what I'm saying like (laughs) but I think like culturally they're not connected to the working class well culturally no 
Culturally, no, but honestly, it just depends. Like, what kind of actor you are, like, what kind of gigs you usually get, right. or if you get any at all. Like, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's like still like to me, like spiritually, it's a working class job because you never know when you're not where your next paycheck is, you know, is going to come from. <laughs> like spiritually, everybody true. is like so, you know, going from gig to gig, and everybody's pathologically different, um, but in the spiritual sense, it's always going to be a working class job. And that's why like, it is like virtuous because you're a technician essentially. Remember they buried Moliere at night cause they like hated him so much. Mm-hmm. Even though he it's was sad. like the most influential. Like, I mean, French. he was their Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. Have we ever talked about Madam X on this podcast? No, I mean, we've talked, I mean, we've <laughs> talked Madonna about Madonna. <laughs> no, we haven't talked about okay. Madam X. So, Madam X was this um, very uh, like late melodrama right before the realism movement happened, like mm. extremely late like melodrama that absolutely took the western theater world by storm completely it was about this woman it was about this woman who was like a mother and a wife and she cheated on her husband and was like very debaucherous and something like that and um essentially it was a started out as a french play and then um this was actually the play that Sarah Bernhardt really started her career from because Mm. she was like so hysterical and insane and powerful in this role um and what was uh and Madame X was so influential as a play because it did this very delicate thing where it showed you just enough degradation but not enough so that it pissed off a lot of people and was like banned um so it just like did this very nice delicate band like dance of showing you just a little leg but not too much and it was extremely influential because it was right before realism so it wasn't meant to be politically subversive it was just like about a woman who was like bad and then we forgave her but she still died at the end and everybody cries that's literally just what it's about um, i'm gonna have to read this you have <laughs> to <sounds> yeah <laughs> madam x like that's basically where like the phrase and like the many movies and plays that it's been referenced to like comes from is about this woman who behaves poorly and then maybe she's proved innocent or maybe we forgive her but she still pays for it in some sense because we have to know that um, especially in the original play we have to make sure that she doesn't re-enter society because we just can't let that come back into our world so um well is it like a neoclassical play and uh, it's right so it's like late eight it's like late 1800s so right before yeah so not late 1800s so basically it was like oh, dear god is, I, it I the just, seven, is it the 1700s yeah like so I it's like so it, it's like oh, wait, so what, it, what we're talking about the other uh the other day it's like um sort of like the fa- spring uh spring awakening time 
Oh, so like late, yeah, that would yeah. have been late 1800s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like late 1800s, like right, right before like realism happened where it really was about like, and this is something that I feel like informed like the epic theater movements where it's like super melodramatic, but it's not really meant to make an ethical statement necessarily about public mm. life or not meant to be like it's just sort of a, just a, some melodrama that's supposed to be like very emotional um yeah but but it was extremely like groundbreaking during the time that it was first produced in the western theater world came, in france it and came then out in America. 1908 okay per- this, that's exactly what i thought in this um, cover of the of the play, is gorgeous. It's amazing. It's it's like oh. one of the. It was considered at the time one of the most incredible, groundbreaking, insane, like never seen before plays of its time. Um, and I think it was able to make that impression because it did that very delicate balance of referencing certain scandalous things, but not too much to the point that it was like smutty or disgusting or debaucherous to public life. It, um, yeah, it just like hit the right notes at the right time. Um, the It seems like the French really love like the distance between genre like they're like this is a comedy theater and we only produce comedy this is the serious drama theater and we only produce serious drama mm-hmm. and and I... you get that in children of paradise mm-hmm. because like he frederick ghost he wants to be a shakespearean actor and he goes mm-hmm. to that theater their comedy theater and he's like I can do it but he's like this isn't really what I want to do but I'll do it because I'm an actor and I can do whatever I can do anything (laughs) but it's yeah I think that's very interesting about the French that they love their boundaries between genre Mm -hmm. yeah they make those lines like very strict so that there's no like gray area there's no like easy you know gap where like anything can be anything um it's very restrictive um well because yeah, you know. know like the, fr- the the french love to riot over their art mm-hmm. it's like there have been i i forget like one of the major riots in french theater history was uh king ubu Mm-hmm. People were like so beside themselves when they saw like the shit and such. Like, and so then they like ride it. And I think another mm-hmm. one was a Victor Hugo play. Which one? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We have to do a we have to do an episode on the Astor riots. Like that's the most profound, will, like a thespian will. riot in American history. It's like we the will. most because that's the thing. It's like, oh, riots, da 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 da. And I'm like. I'm pretty sure like the riot where like the most Americans got killed ever in American history were the Astor riots, which were caused by thespians, essentially. I mean, not really, but. <laughs> <laughs> For our make... purposes, it was caused yes. by thespians. Yeah. 
And you can make an <laughs> argument that any riot is started by thespians, but um, I was True. just I was just reading. Um, I just like got into this like rabbit hole about reading about like the Yippie movement and the late. 60s um yes and the, yes, yes, yes it was just like a really weird random subculture of people who were very loose networks and they were like just essentially like hippie libertarians but they were really influenced by the arto and the theater of cruelty and they just like did per i mean they were protesters but they essentially were just performance artists and they did things like they ran a pig for president. They tried to make the Pentagon levitate, um, stuff like favorite. that. <laughs> and I just, I, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate the effort. I really appreciate the thespian effort because they would like douse themselves with like oils and perfume and like wear like uh, Native American co- like feathers and stuff. And um, yeah, I, I just appreciate the effort. It sounds like they ushered in the new age. Yeah, they were definitely a part of the new age movement. But I mean, the new age movement was very, um, it had a lot of multiplicity because I mean, there are many right. different, I, I think that's also what um, summarizes the new age is like all these different subcultures, like, you know, cross pollinating and coming together. Um, and right. it was like yeah, Buddhism a lot and Hinduism of, as well. Just a lot of different influences were coming into the country at once and cross-pollinating and influencing each other that it just like all became this like one weird mass and like what we think of today is like the new age movement um yeah i think you see this in like the most recent like beatles documentary where somebody one of the guys just like had just hired a shaman to like sit and watch them during like their like eight hour recording sessions and it's so creepy um, wasn't it wasn't it paul probably i honestly who knows but it's like i was watching that documentary and there's this one creepy like shaman guy in the corner just like watching them and like sitting on the floor it's just like the strangest thing i don't know well and then they became very disillusioned with the shaman which is very uh, disappointing because I love a good shaman, prophet. I want- Shout out to my massage therapist yesterday. He made the negative <sighs> energy come out of my stomach. Uh. <laughs> he was amazing. I wish I remembered his name. <laughs> um, but he was awesome. Well, maybe, maybe if you remember it, let me know and I'll link him in the bio. I know. He opened my chakras. <laughs> there are seven of them. <laughs> I love how in the film they refer to the poor people in the balcony as the gods. Yes. I, I feel like that is like how you have to like like why you perform almost like it like performance has to be like has to be selfless and it has to be like you're giving yourself over to something bigger mm-hmm. and like it just I mean it's so poetic and beautiful to like refer to the the poor um theater goers mm-hmm. as like the people that you are really doing this for and he like and Baptiste even says like I don't want to amuse, just amuse them. I want to, to move them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he says that their lives may be small, but their dreams are grand. Mm-hmm. And like, it is, it's just, it's so true. And like, I'm on this whole, like theater is like my religion right now. <laughs> yeah. That's my way. That's my, my vibe right mm-hmm. now. And like, it's just, it is so like, it is so true. Like it is about something much bigger. And like, that's why it's so irritating when like people make it about their ego and, you know, are really obsessed with like a theater of identity. It's for the audience. It's always for the audience so that you, like you are falling on your face so that they can like understand something about the universe. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, all the best plays neither condemn nor endorse their characters in any ethical way. Like you can have ethics in your play, but you you can't necessarily have like a ethical vacuum by which your play st- like is made in. You know, right? Like there's a difference between like we have to understand like the difference between, okay, things that are having moral questions, moral is defining what's good and bad. Ethics is defined by what you should do. And um, what's the third one? I'm, I'm I, it's escaping me, um, but- Are you talking about like ethos and logos and pathos? Probably, but- basically what i'm what i'm saying is like um it should be like like you're saying like how you're saying earlier that you're like on this journalist tip of like relaying the information like that's essentially uh what drama should be it should be uh a sort of a practical endeavor of uh observing uh, someone's life or uh, an event as if you were a fly on the wall and you know, you're just like looking into somebody's life and uh, yeah, it should be like uh, looking at a case study in in someone's life or uh, some people's lives. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a case study. And and I don't, and I don't like want like, uh, like theater to like be moralistic and like subscribe to a kind of ideology like that's not what I'm saying at all what I I want us to like look at a play and and like see these like what these people are doing to each other and like what does that reveal to us about human nature Mm -hmm. well because because my opinion is that drama is defined by looking at what is psychological and looking at what is pathological you know we're all psychologically kind of equal we both have this we all have the same psychological vulnerabilities but we are all pathologically different and i think the best dramas really put that on display very clearly because there's there are always those characters that you every single character you can sympathize with on a psychological level and you know intellectually why they sort of act the way they do but they act the way they do because we can sort of see the pathology you know 
behave right before our eyes and the action. Um, and we all know that we have our own pathologies because we are all psychologically very equal and like have those vulnerabilities. So yeah. Right, because like we're, we're all collect connected in our unconscious because like our unconscious is coming from something universal. Like that's why I say like the best way to experience art is by like viewing the piece of art as like a, a manifestation of the artist's like dreams, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, and what, and what is coming out from underneath is like what is revealing to us something uh, profound about human life that, and, you know, and like it, it, and you can take what you see in the theater and like apply it into your own life and like figure out where like a character like Hamlet lives within your life to, to make your life to live your life, I guess. Is what yeah. I'm saying. We all have a Hamlet inside of all of us exactly yeah. and if you and if you follow the evil thespian diet <laughs> you can you can play hamlet too okay i picked up so many really good yogurt parfaits on my travels so good i love that and um i was thinking like okay what's like in is like eating yogurt parfaits but also like saying like the phrase like oh i'm going dancing tonight like not like saying like, oh, I'm going out tonight, like being very specific about what the intention is. So like uh-huh. something that's very in vogue right now, I feel like is eating yogurt parfaits, but then also saying like, I'm going like, oh, we're, we're going dancing tonight. Or like, I went out dancing with my friends last night. You know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm going to see a play tonight. Yeah. Um. Yes. Me specifically dancing, like saying like, oh, I'm going dancing tonight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like nobody says that anymore. No one says like, oh, I'm going dancing. People say like, oh, I'm going to the club. I'm going to the club. I'm going clubbing, I guess. Like I'm going out. Like nobody says like, oh, I'm going dancing tonight because I went to Roscoe's the uh, couple nights before my wedding. And like, that was like, I had a strict agenda like that's mostly what we did that night is like we went dancing and I feel like the nights when I like the agenda is to go dancing with my friends I want to say like I'm going dancing you know I'm not going to say like I'm going out because I don't want people to like say like oh do you want right. to be here it's like so no, no 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 like I'm going dancing don't call or text like this is the agenda for this time. <laughs> um, well, I wonder if people don't want to commit to dancing because like they need that liquid courage right. to dance. So then they're like, I'm just going to go to the club and like and hang I may out and dance. I'll probably yeah. dance. Like, and like by dancing that, that means like, I'll like step from side to side and yeah. Right. But for but me, no, it's dancing like, should dancing should come back into the vernacular. I'm saying right. like, like just like the, yeah, the vernacular, the like the colloquialism of saying, oh, I'm going dancing tonight, or like my husband and I are going to dance, are going dancing tonight, or like I'm going on a date, we're going dancing. I don't know something like that. Like I just feel is cool, and because um, people do go dancing, but they just don't we rarely do we make it like the main events and I I, to me like I'm I'm, I love dancing like to me that is the main event 
um, and I'll like be on the dance floor, floor for like three hours, like on and off. So, um, <laughs> uh, I love to dance. I know. And it's like very, there are places like very few and far between where like, that's like the main attraction. Like that's why people go <laughs> there. Like that's why I like going to DJ sets. Like, cause it's like just basically dance Maddie, music. Whoa. Did you bring out, did you bring out your, um, Isadora Duncan moves at Roscoe's? I don't know what I did at Roscoe's, but um, a veil <laughs> ended up on my head. And uh, um, it was, yeah, it was really kind of fun. Isadora Duncan. It really yes. was. I had a veil on top of my head. Um, yeah, I was, and I ended up like, I was like the stra. I was like part of the stragglers at the end were like, just like, it was very sparse on the dance floor by the end of the night. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was really fun, but I'm tired now. And now we, I'm ready to go dancing again. To, yeah, now you're back to the Evil Thespian saga. I know. <laughs> and, it's, and, and we're going. I'm we're just going a girl. I'm just a girl at her desk. What can I say? We're going full speed into eternity. Full speed right ahead. Now. Um, yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm sorry if anybody was thrown off, uh, by the last two episodes, but, um, no, I think they're wonderful. Uh, yeah, I think they're, I think they're it's wonderful too. for our, for our journey. Cause I like to have every, I like to have every episode be a little different. Oh yeah. I don't want to get into like complacency, that, that mode of being like, Oh, this is another episode of when the girls are going to talk about stuff, you know, about like, oh, here we are, just me and the girls. We're, I don't know, like, my thing is like, I want like newness and novelty to be sprinkled in there. Oh and my God. Element of, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> did you, what did you pick up on that? That, did you hear that line where he like, oh my God, what was I watching? No, yes. Um, in part one, in Children of Paradise, everything's like I'm watching is like starting to blend together. It's I'm also so my, creepy. <laughs> I'm in my like Glee rewatch as well. Um, oh God. Um, the the guy uh in part one, he says the audience always wants something new, novelty. What does yes. that mean? Mm -hmm. Novelty is as old as the hills. I know it's true. I no, I remember that. Um, because it's true. That people always want some kind of newness. Yes, and but like, and but but the newness is just like the past coming back. It seems mm -hmm. from what this guy is saying, he says novelty is as old as the hills. That's true. Wait, that's so true. Like that's actually extremely deep. What? Wait, does, <laughs> when he says novelty, uh, I guess you're right. Novelty. Wow, that's actually like a huge like existential yeah. question that he's asking almost yes because it, and it makes sense because everything moves in cycles yeah and every know? idea is sort of a remanufactured sort of a new like new way of saying something that was once argued or said before but in a new way semantically right you know like everything really does move in cycles. It just looks a little different. There's maybe some more variables involved. 
but the right. same anxieties and like the fears and like apprehensions are still there it because has to... we're all the same we're always all the same <laughs> it's that collective unconscious i'm telling you it's just it's all deep ingrained in us yeah it's like really creepy i really felt for garant's at the end where she's like watching Baptiste perform and it's like, is she going to end up with him? We don't know. Mm-hmm. And just that, that, that feeling of like a time gone by that, you know, is never going to probably come back because eventually they do like sleep together, Yeah, but it doesn't, but it doesn't really pan out to anything. You know, and she leaves and that ending is so claustrophobic with the confetti and all the people. And I was just like, I cannot breathe right now. Well, because I've been on this like tip of like thinking like every memory you have with somebody is sort of like just a dream almost like Mm. basically the visions you have and the way you see your memory in your mind's eye is the same uh, mechanical operation in your brain that you do when you just think of an idea in your mind's eye. So if I, if I said like, think of an elephant right now, the same like mechanical things are happening. If I asked you to recall like a time in your life, like a memory is basically just sort of seeing things is, is, memory is like your imagination and it almost makes you question like if your memories with somebody are real and uh yeah it makes me like really like freak out kind of (laughs) because it almost makes you think about like time and space and like because I like I have like people like in my life that like I've spent so much time with and like you like do this thing in life where like maybe you fall out of touch with somebody but you always like think like oh we'll have the memories you know together like I'll have that yeah. memory but then it like when you think about it it's like well what is a memory but just kind of my imagination at work you know <laughs> so right and and like when crazy. you do get back with somebody that you've like lost touch with it's almost like never the same because like you as a person have gone through so many experiences that have changed you. Yeah, or you get back with somebody and nothing's changed at all because you don't, maybe you don't change at all. <laughs> right. I don't know. Or, or like or you, you pick, you reg- pick or up where you left off. Yeah, or you regress back to a time that is even more neurotic. Mm-hmm. almost because she says like listen to the gods I once laughed like that like she's so jaded by life but also because like she's yes. been like accused of a crime that she didn't I don't think she committed did she I don't remember I don't think she committed the crime all of these old like movies and plays like all are all about like women committing crimes I really enjoy it um but she, but Garant just gets ta- like accused of crimes just all the time. I think she's I would like, hate to be accused of a crime in France. You don't want to go to Parisian jail, definitely. No. Not. You don't. Or Italian go. jail. No, dear God. I don't want to be the next Amanda Knox. 
Where would I go Although to jail of- first? I would so first I would go to jail in like um, Iceland or Switzerland, where the jails look like IKEA, and then yes, <laughs> just for the experience. Yes, yeah, you gotta commit the- crime yeah. over there. Just just for the experience. Yeah. For the Airbnb experience of it all. And then where would I go to jail? Like second rank. I'd probably go to not Italy's on the last. Paris, no. I wouldn't want to go to like a Russian jail. No. I would want to go to, I guess all jail is bad when it comes down to it. I can't think of anybody else who may or may not have like a nice jail. I could probably get by in like a federal prison, uh, like a, like yes. a high end. Like if I committed like a high end crime. Yeah, I could do some community service, no matter I what would country. Do, I could do. I could get by. And I think I could also do house arrest. Uh, well, yes. Because then I could like really live out the against nature who is mon fantasy. Um, sure. And I think, um, also, but here's the thing about house arrest. Sometimes they put you on, depending on on what country, sometimes they put you on house arrest for like years. Like I know somebody who's been on, I know someone who's been on house arrest for like two years. That sounds fucked up. Like it really is. I don't think I could do more than like six months. Yeah, well, don't um, break the law. <laughs> I won't. Not on my watch. I'm not no. not committing any crimes. I'm so bad at like breaking the law. Like I'm really like I just don't. Well, I also I wonder never... like the law is so like uh, there's so many laws. Like I often wonder like how many laws do I break without even realizing? Uh, probably a lot. Yeah. Because, like, there's so much bureaucratic laws on the books. There probably is. I did, you, did I tell you I saw Hammurabi's code in the Louvre? <gasps> no. It's the world's eye old, for an oldest eye. law. Yes. And the you know eye, what? Oh What's God. crazy is that it's really, it's smaller than I expected. Really? Yeah, it's probably, like, a little taller i don't know it's it's skinny it's very skinny was it on and a tablet it was like on little, like this like little platform tablet? it was on a platform but it was like this very tall and skinny stone tablet but it wasn't even that tall really like it wasn't towering it was just like huh. maybe a, almost as tall as paul and it had really tiny tiny writing all over it it was really cool and I was like so amazed like it to me it's like the hope diamond like Hammurabi's code is like the hope diamond like I I thought it was gonna have like this large like glass casing around it but it was just out and about um what I don't know if I'm remembering correctly but yeah it was great I mean I would not want any like um like artifact like prized artifact out in the open in the Louvre now knowing what they did to the Mona Lisa yeah but here's the thing the Louvre is so gigantic and it's so boring like was that really the place to like do make a statement like I would want no it wasn't 
but yeah. I don't want the artwork to get destroyed is what I'm saying. And I don't, the, I don't want the pieces like the most valuable, like Hammurabi, Hammurabi's code. Hammurabi's, like Hammurabi's, <laughs> Hammurabi's. Haha, mommy. Hammurabi's code. <laughs> um, I wouldn't want that just like sitting about for like somebody to fuck with, you know? Well, that I think that's also why they closed like two thirds of it is because like, I don't know, things have been dicey lately and they've had people like throw cake on the Mona Lisa or whatever. So um, yeah. maybe they, and they're also having labor shortages. So maybe they're like, yeah, no, nobody's seeing the Louvre ever again. Um, <laughs> but the French do yeah. love to protest. Yeah, I, I, well, I didn't see any protests when I was there. You didn't see any yellow vests protests? No, no honestly, like, I, it was a cool time to be in Paris because, like, it was just, like, a busy time, I think, business-wise. Like, I don't know. Were the masks I also, required? Oh, no, no masks anywhere at all. Oh, good. Yeah, good. like, nothing. Um, but, I don't know. They We have more uh, similarities with them than we do differences, but... Um, well, you know, they say Kansas City is the Paris of the Plains. I'm just saying. Oh, do they now? <laughs> Excuse moi. Because, <laughs> like, we have so many fountains and, like, of course, uh, the fountains, the fountains. We don't, we don't have the wide boulevard streets. Although there is like a street in on the plaza that reminds me of like driving in Paris. Yes. I I've never been there, but I'm sure. <laughs> I'll show you sometime while I'm still living here. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> um I just also wanted to point out like another thing that I really loved about Children of Paradise was the um the Shakespeare references and how yes. like the French like Frederick Frederick loves Shakespeare and he did he played Othello in blackface mm -hmm. and um and he, like they like the French seem to like not like like not Othello but like Shakespeare because like the guy the aristocrat guy was like referring to Shakespeare as a savage but what's really interesting is that the Germans love Shakespeare mm -hmm. And that, and I think it's because of that Nordic kind of culture is still there. Or so, it's because like the French are just like, we have a good thing going. Like, I don't want anybody, anyone else's tastes to influence ours, you know? Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think Shakespeare yeah. is very, uh, has a very romantic view of nature mm -hmm. and the French love, you know, strict, like they love their society. They care yeah. deeply about it. Um, and so uh, that's why, like, I just think that they have such a low view of Shakespeare, mm -hmm. but it was really great to see Frederick's, Frederick's admiration of Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is nice because like um, sort of on the like tail end of, I think it was the Elizabethan era, um, all of the, a lot of the um, theaters were really for, were, were commercial endeavors and there were a lot of theaters open. 
Um, and then of course, like they all burned down or like many of them closed also because of like the economic situation. Um, mm -hmm. But also something that's interesting that I felt like there were so many similarities with Par between Paris and Chicago because simil similarly with Paris, like it's a city that's like been destroyed and then has been rebuilt so many times. Uh -huh. So there's that mixture of like extremely old and extremely new. And that's, well, isn't, I feel like it's so similar to Chicago in that way. Well, isn't Paris Chicago's sister city? Um, I thought Kansas City was, or actually was Chicago. No. Was, no, I was just, they like, that's just like what they call Kansas City is the Paris of the Plains. But I don't think oh. that, Par I don't think that Paris is actually like officially Kansas City's sister city. But let me look this up. I don't even know. Chicago sister cities. Um, Athens. I never heard that before. Well, I don't know. You've heard this. Inch. Oh, no. <laughs> Mexico City, Moscow is a sister. Oh, Paris is a sister city of what Chicago. De what, what defines a sister city? Um, exactly. Okay. It says as sister cities. Since 1996, the people of Chicago stand together stronger than ever with the people of Paris. Aww. We extend our friendship, support, and solidarity. Oh, yeah. This was when um, the, the Paris terrorist attacks happened back in 2015. Ooh. Yeah. So they've been sister cities since 1996. That totally makes That's sense. That's cute. I, I mean, know. no, seriously, there are a lot of similarities, although I will say the um, only thing about Paris is that uh, the like, air quality and the smog was horrible. Um, we, were ha we were like hacking the whole two weeks, like just coughing. Um, it's like really smoggy. And it, it's weird because you wouldn't think like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go back to Chicago where the air is just like so clear and clean and crisp. But no, I, being in a being in Paris like made me feel like oh Chicago is like oh, the just like the open plains you know <laughs> like yeah Paris is like really I smoggy. mean you guys do have the best water in the country it's the best we have the it's the best of the best like everything everything's <laughs> better here I'll say I'll say <sighs> that do you have any other thoughts about that children of paradise it's really it's really sweet and like tender and soft it's really good mm -hmm. like old movie um yeah if you like movie about like pathetic cute clowns or like mimes this is the movie for you it's so good it's a classic yeah it, it did have like a very uh comforting sense mm -hmm. to Definitely. it in many regards because it's a film about the theater, and I love a good film about the theater. Yeah. And it's a film about like floundering, desperate actors that are just like looking for love. And it's about one of the greatest countries slash cities, Paris and France. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm so happy that you had a good time in Paris, Maddie. And I'm happy it that you're was, back. It was, thank you. It was trade uh, chic. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just say, leave people that in the film, Baptiste says life and dreams are the same thing. There's no point to life without dreams. Oh, that's beautiful. <sighs> All right. That's cute. Well, and that and scene. scene. <laughs>